Welcome everybody to Connecting the Universe. I'm author and researcher Mike Ricksecker. We have a great class for you tonight. We're going to be talking about interdimensional beings. Do they exist? And if they do, how do they enter our realm of existence? What do they look like? What exactly are these different things? You know, are they some other life form? Are they us? What What is it? So, uh, we are going to tackle a number of these different things this evening. Do want to thank everybody for uh, tuning in on an off night. Uh, we did not have a show on our usual night last week because we were having furnace issues that needed to get repaired, and uh, you know the, the guy was here extra long. Uh, you know it's getting cold out. Got to get those things taken care of. So. I do appreciate everybody's patience and uh, doing this on a Monday instead of a Wednesday. And, you know, I see a few people are already down there uh, in the chat. I know Nicole's tagging everybody. we got Sarah down there. Bill Prox said he was going to be around and, and some others. So we'll go ahead and get into our class question for the evening. I uh, posted this last week and several people uh, had some questions that they asked and... Uh, all right, so it was, what's the biggest question you have about interdimensional beings? So we have uh, we have a few here that we're going to go ahead and uh, get out of the way here at the outset. Uh, Sarah Youssef, what synchronicities exist between our dimension and the alternative dimension that gives us the ability to be seen and sensed by us or gives them the ability to be seen and sensed by us? Well, I mean, really, it's energy and vibration. You know, everything is is made up of some sort of energy. And so, you know, that's what we're seeing and sensing. Um, our our eyes, our ears, our, you know, our five senses, you know, only sense, see, smell, hear within a certain spectrum, within a, whether it's hearing within a certain frequency range, with our eyes, whether it's seen within a certain spectrum. And if those entities fall within that range, then we're able to sense and detect them. You know, sometimes it's almost just kind of like, you know, we, we feel somebody is, you know, enter the room even though they're not there. And that's kind of like entering our toroidal field of energy. But then when we look at animals, you know, they're able to uh, see and sense and hear these things much better than us. They're a lot more sensitive uh, to these sorts of things than, than humans. And so it really depends on the particular being that's, that's doing the sensing. And even, you know, from the other perspective, uh, the frequency at which the being is, is emanating those, those different frequencies and those different wavelengths. So, you know, this is why when we get into... Um, uh, personal resonance and things like that. This is why you know, some people see more apparitions and shadows and more shadows and apparitions. You know, I talk about this in my whole uh, uh, you know, shadow person uh, presentation or when people ask me that question following it if, I, if I'm not able to get it into the presentation because that one goes uh, you know, about an hour and a half and usually I don't have about an hour to speak. So Sarah, I know you had some uh, some other questions that you put down uh under that uh, under that banner that I had posted, I'm going to go ahead and uh, tackle some of those during the monthly Q and A because I'm going to have a similar question for the monthly Q and A, which is coming up here uh, within the next week. So, uh, so I'll take some of those then, or I'll answer some of those then. And then uh, Bill Prack, I want to know of some of the things are more like a different frequency, and that's why we may get a glimpse, or is it really a different dimension? These things. Uh, we see are coming from and so kind of the same thing and that's why you know Sarah I took this question from you because it kind of piggybacked off of uh, of what Bill was asking so really the kind of the the same thing here is that uh, you know we are seeing and sensing things within a certain range and that's why uh, we only get a glimpse and sometimes because of that that vibration um, you know, it's, it's shifting, it's moving, you know, we resonate, you know, the resonance from us is within a certain range and it, and it fluctuates, you know, the earth energy fluctuates, the energy uh, that the being is emanating is fluctuating, you know, it's, it's not just a, a steady constant, you see these, you, these up and downs, you know, when you look at like, uh, you know, the different wavelengths, you see, you know, an up and down, up and down, it's not constant flat line, it's up and down, up and down, and so, um, 
And so it's always moving within a certain range and it might go up and down. And if our, if our ability to sense it is not within there, or maybe it's at one of those peaks, then we might only get a glimpse of it from time to time. And we'll kind of get into some more of this stuff as we go along. So Patty Foister, uh, who is not a part of the Connected uh, Universe, yet hopefully, you know, we hope that uh, some of these uh, people, because I post these in public areas, we hope some of these people will eventually uh, join us so that they can, uh, you know, get a taste of the live presentation here, the live class, ask questions within class, all that. For those listening later on the different podcast platforms and our syndicated shows on KGRA and KPNL, please come ahead and, you know, go ahead and join us here on the Connected Universe Portal. It's connecteduniverseportal.com. Join us for those uh, those live classes and, of course, you know, partake in all the other content uh, that is uploaded to the portal site. So the question was, can they take me there? Well, you know, you hear about some of these different abduction scenarios. So, you know, are they taking us to that other dimension? Are we getting a glimpse of that? Are some of these people that, you know, these strange disappearances, are they disappearing into that other dimension? That's kind of the big question. We don't have a straight up answer for it. I mean, people do come back. Uh, eventually and you know they have you know recollection of seeing strange beings and being in strange rooms maybe on a craft um, you know some people report even being in like a, you know, almost on, on a completely different planet a whole different scenario that they're actually getting a glimpse of so um, yeah I, I guess the answer to that is yes they can <laughs> uh, but the mainstream likes to play down the whole you know, abduction type of, of scenario or those types of visitations where we end up going to another uh, realm. So, and I'll take um, this one from Bill real quick. They threw down there in the chat. Do you think earthquakes might open doors or let us see some of those dimensions? So, uh, yeah, you know, this is, it's a good question because it kind of piggybacks off of uh, all of my research that I've done for the Alaska Triangle or Alaska's Mysterious Triangles, the book. The Alaska Triangle is a television show, uh, and we do see with the earthquakes up there uh, when all of that energy is is expelled. I mean, really, it's building and building and building within the earth for long periods of time, and then is eventually expelled. And you know, we see a lot of activity in these areas that are extremely volatile. And like when it comes to Alaska, you have the earthquakes, you have the uh, the volcanic activity, you have uh, you know the the magnetic activity playing off of the uh, from the sun because it's magnetic protection is thinner up there uh, so yeah absolutely that energy from that can make many more of these things happen the alaska triangle is an area where you have again the different disappearances portals are opening things like that so yep absolutely okay so Let's go ahead and um, you know get into some of these things here that we're going to be talking about this evening. And so one, wow, okay. My notes just kind of opened up across the entire screen. Must have hit the wrong button. <laughs> All right, so you know we uh, we're hearing more and more about interdimensional beings these days, and uh, you know one of the questions that keeps coming up that I keep getting asked is is this just a a new fad you know we had we had ghosts we had demons you know shadow people shadow entities have been kind of popular here now for a while is you know ETs extraterrestrials of course um, you know are interdimensional beings just kind of the next popular thing that we're going to be talking about um, that, you know now everything's interdimensional you know, where before it was ghosts and then it was you know extraterrestrials you know is this is this kind of like the new popular term and idea that we're going to be throwing out there and exploring well I think it's really something that's always been with us and uh, many of these things that we've been seeing and witnessing you know are already from a another dimensional space you know we just don't quite understand what that is like you know when you're when you're looking at something like a ghost what exactly are we looking at it's 
sort of on our plane of existence, but sort of not. It's kind of caught between worlds somewhere. So really, it is in itself in some sort of of other dimensional space that sometimes bleeds into ours and we're able to witness it at times. Kind of like what I was talking about before with resonating at a certain frequency. Example I love to give is the one of the... uh, the little girl that morphed out of rolling black smoke at Mineral Springs Hotel in Alton, Illinois. And if Tom McNicholas is down in the chat right now, you know, he was there, he saw the girl, but we all saw her a little differently. We didn't all see her exactly the same. And that's because of, again, what we were talking about before, you know, all the different um, uh, levels of resonance, frequencies, wavelengths, all of it's a little different. We all resonate a little bit differently. She's resonating a little differently. Um, and it was falling in a little bit of a different range for each of us as far as you know, what we could see or perceive. Um, but you know, where did she come from? And after that, where did she go? You know, she is, in a sense, there. You know, I, we don't know how persistently uh, she's there visiting. But when we don't see her, is she still there? Or does she go off somewhere else? That part we're not really sure of. But, you know, when we talk about the the afterlife and going to, you know, some other place, whether you believe it's it's a heaven or a homeworld or whatever, that is another place that we can go to. So that is some sort of, you know, other dimensional space. Or when we talk about, you know, astral projecting, where does an astral projector go? What is that realm that they're in when they're projecting forth they still are able to see and interact with the world around us but very differently you know their their consciousness is out there their energy is out there um but people don't normally see that although i do have a you know a theory that postulates that we you know we may be seeing some of that that maybe some of these shadows or shimmers that we see are people that might be projecting their consciousness but where they're at is in some other dimensional space. We just don't quite understand it. So, all right, <clears throat> what we're looking at here are, and I just dropped my coffee, fantastic. Give me a second, please, before um, everything shorts out here. <sighs> that's, that's what I get for being a coffee lover, right? <laughs> all right, so... Um, so yeah, we're looking at the the multiverse here in this, and, and why are we doing that? Uh, because the question is, where do where do these interdimensional beings come from? Uh, the multiverse has been a another one of those very popular topics in recent years, and you know it, it comes up when we tell stories about parallel universes, and um, you know that. Uh, well, people remember the show Sliders or, you know, you look at like the show Dark uh, where all of a sudden you have these different, you know, parallel universes going on that, um, you know, that have a lot of similarities, but things are a little different. Um, is that what some of these other dimensions are? Are we actually living in an alternate dimension an alternate dimension from another universe that's out there. That's possible. And how do we travel to these? Well, of course, we always talk about the wormhole, the Einstein-Rosen bridge. Uh, what's interesting about this uh, this depiction here of the of the multiverse, and for those again that are listening to the podcast later or on the syndicated shows, you're not able to see this, and I do apologize for that. But again, come come join us for the live. The, the way it's uh, presented here are all these little bubbles or marbles, you know, kind of like the, uh, the the marbles from uh, the the end of Men in Black. The aliens play with the marbles that are like all the all the little universes. And so um, this is an idea that's postulated by our uh, by a number of different astrophysicists, uh, like uh, like Michio Kaku and, and some of uh, those others that. Uh, you have all of these bubble universes that are out there and you know some of them die right away because they don't uh, contain everything within it that's needed to 
kind of create a universe that's like ours. Maybe it's missing some elements or the elements don't gel the right way and it starts to kind of form up and then dies off. And that that universe becomes a void. And then you have other ones like this where, uh, you know, where all this activity happens and we have life and, and all that. So the, the wormhole, the Einstein-Rosen bridge, there's a couple of different ways to look at it, you know, as far as how um, we may be able to travel elsewhere within this universe, how uh, interdimensional beings may be able to travel here, but not just within our own universe, but also possibly between these other universes so that you would get this tunnel type of effect to connect between a couple of these different bubbles. So you could have it within your own bubble or between these others and you would travel through uh, through that wormhole. I know we're kind of getting really deep into stuff here um, as far as like some some very uh, theoretical physics here. Uh, you know, when we get into quantum physics and, and what have you. But these are all different possibilities. There's no, there's really no one right answer here because we haven't been able to, to really prove any of this. It's all very theoretical. And, you know, those quantum physicists basically use math to try to say this is possible because the equation, you know, works out a certain way. So I'm not saying I'm a, a great mathematician or anything like that. I haven't, uh, I can, I, I, I'm pretty uh, pretty good at math, but as far as some of those quantum uh, equations, I've not dealt into that realm. Uh, but what's interesting is we continue to go down this this road with the connected universe. Um, so this here kind of looks like a heart, doesn't it? And I and I love that because um, when when they did that imagery of Pluto, it had the, the heart on the side of the planet. And so this here is our supercluster. So it's the uh, Laniakea. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. Uh, it's, a, it's a Hawaiian name. This is you know, from the uh, University of Hawaii, really, uh, the, the guys that did this research, where it says, you are here, that little dot, that's a Milky Way galaxy. And you can see here, you know, the connections uh, across the universe. So when we start wondering about, you know, how are, you know, how are we able to travel from, you know, one solar system to another, from one galaxy to another, you know, we, you know, we look at space and it's like, wow, it's so infinite. We're talking light years and light years. And so, you know, physical travel by, you know, strapping a, you know, a rocket to your back and shooting yourself up. I mean, that's not going to cut it. We have to, you know, think outside the box and yeah, start looking into some of these, you know, quantum mechanics and what have you, uh, as far as travel, it's going to take something else, but it's right in front of us. Cause we can see when we look at the universe that it is connected, you see all these fibers and like this web type feature that's connecting all of these different galaxies. So this is, this is our own supercluster, Laniakea. It consists of approximately 100,000 galaxies. And each of those galaxies contains about 300 billion stars. So it's it's absolutely massive. So we start you know, wondering, is there other life out there in the universe? Well, I mean, just start doing the math. If there's one in our galaxy, which has... Ours is actually a, a bit of a bigger galaxy. It has... Um, you know, that 300 billion is like an, uh, an average. We're more around, you know, 500 billion stars. We're a little bit of a bigger one. Um, so if you just say one in, you know, that number of, uh, one in this galaxy with that number of uh, stars, and you've got, again, look at this massive super cluster uh, with 100,000 galaxies. Well, if there's, you know, one, planet, uh, again, 300 billion stars, that's 300 billion solar systems, essentially, uh, that's, uh, that gives you 100,000, you know, 
possibilities there of uh, of there being life on another planet. And that's just our super cluster. There's more. There's more. There's lots more. <laughs> uh, here's uh, interesting. This is like the raw data representation of that. Uh, what we're looking at here is really like a computer uh, graphics representation of what the actual data model is. Um, but still very cool because you can see within the actual raw data model uh, all the connections across the universe. So when we start talking about interdimensional beings and how they're getting to where we are at, these are civilizations that have figured out how to use those connections throughout the universe, okay? Uh, when we look at that web, and I, I should have included here that from the, the Chandra telescope, basically the the artwork that I use for the connected universe portal where, you know, it's kind of that pink and purplish background and you have those like uh, very web-like yellow filaments. And I mean, that's basically a uh, an X-ray of the universe and you're seeing those, you know, gaseous connections between all the different galaxies. And you're kind of getting that here with this too. You're seeing all those, uh, you know, connections, all those, you know, different fibers and filaments and, you know, that web that's connecting everything. So these other beings have figured out how to utilize that we haven't yet we're still i mean we've got the idea in our head now that that we can utilize it that we can actually um use that for travel now it's a matter of actually developing the means to do it so i love this quote here from mark anthony from the shadow dimension uh shadow dimension docuseries shadowdimension.com uh, watch it free on Tubi. For those that are listening, I know you guys down here on uh, the Connecting Universe have, have already done so. Uh, but he says, we may very well be dealing with several different entities, several different species using a similar energetic modality in order for them to communicate or to visit what we call Earth. So given that we have all these interconnections across the universe coming back to, you know, to, our, to our solar system, our planet, others that are connecting out there they figured out different ways you know each different species uh, have figured out their own ways to come and travel here travel elsewhere around the universe and what mark is postulating here is that they have figured out you know something similar each one i mean it might be a little different um, but it's very very similar and so they end up coming off looking similar when we actually witness them when we see them they come off looking similar because they've used a similar way to come here so it's almost kind of like saying well you know one used a one used a truck one used a bus one used a car they're all using a you know a motor vehicle basically um it's kind of what i'm it's, it's an analogy so it all looks similar to us uh even though it's a little little different like that so you guys guys have some uh comments uh down here so and tom is listening in at work thank you tom um what research is this based on so that's uh the university of hawaii's uh research into uh super clusters around the the universe and the webs are the uh basically the interstellar gas that's connecting the uh the different galaxies and and uh solar systems and all that so uh all right, so yeah, I love Mark's comment here. And again, we did this for the Shadow Dimension docu-series. So one of those forms that they are appearing here to us, we're going to get right into it, you know where I'm going with this, is the shadow form. So, you know, this thing that I saw in my bedroom when I was, when I was a child, and I've talked many, many times about, you know, different shadow entities that, uh, that I've seen over the years, whether it was in my bedroom, whether, whether it was on a paranormal investigation, you know, all over the place. But I'm coming back to this very first one because uh, I had, I've talked about it, the hypnosis session that I had earlier this year. And there's a photo still from that hypnosis session. Ooh. There's Mike laying down with earbuds. So it was um, it was with uh, Ariana Corsino, who uh, is a hypnotherapist that basically studied under Dolores Cannon. 
And we got some interesting results from that. And what's interesting is, you know, one of the things I really wanted to find out more about was the shadow experience that I had when I was a child. When I woke up, this thing was in the corner of my room and I was absolutely terrified. I was only about eight years old and, uh, you know, came up to my bed, crossed my arms across my body and then ran off down the hall. Now, you know, when I first saw the thing, I wasn't thinking shadow person. I wasn't thinking anything like that. I wasn't thinking paranormal or, or what have you. I thought there was an intruder in the house and it was about to kill me. I tried to scream, my mouth opened, nothing came out. And that's when it came up to the bed, crossed my arms, across my body and, and ran off. And then I finally found my voice, found my legs, ran off to my parents' bedroom. And they you know, tried to tell me that I just had a bad dream, which, you know, you guys know the story. No, I hadn't. Uh, I was awake for this whole thing. So over the years, of course, you know, I wondered, you know, what exactly was this thing for, for a while? I, you know, I did chalk it up to, okay, it's some sort of ghost or whatever. I don't know. I can't explain it. And then when I saw the other one there, um, at the house we moved to in Ohio, where it was showing up in my doorway, it was like, all right, this is similar, but different, you know, kind of going back to, to what Mark said here, you know, similar energetic modality where this thing that I was then seeing, uh, at the house in Ohio, it was more translucent. It was not as fully formed as this one that I had seen in Massachusetts. I was also seen on a more consistent basis. That one in Massachusetts was just a one-off, done. This one in Ohio, um, you know, I saw that consistently for a good three or four months until the activity finally subsided and, and went away. So, so we know that they are different to some degree. People talk about seeing, you know, hat-wearing entities. Some talk about seeing them with the glowing eyes, you know, all these different forms. Again, similar energetic modality, but not exactly the same. So they could be, again, different species. The one with the glowing eyes could be a different species from the one with the hats, could be a different species from the ones that are fully figured, could be a different species from the ones that show up as like uh, vaporous clouds and, you know, all this different stuff. So, during that hypnosis session, again, here I am laying down, uh, I wanted to know more about this one, this very first one, because the other ones I could that I had witnessed over the years, I could pretty much explain what was going on. But this one I wanted to know more about. Some people have speculated that perhaps, you know, it thought that I was dead and put me into a burial pose, the whole crossing of the arms, you know, kind of like the crook and flail that you see in the sarcophagi. And there are two separate people years apart that it suggested that and it was like okay you know that's that's not a bad idea we'll run with that for a while um but during this hypnosis session it was interesting because i got to see from the perspective of the of the shadow entity and so from looking from that perspective i'm looking down at my little eight-year-old body i see my mouth open you know, trying to scream again, nothing's coming out. And the, the shadow entity realized that it was scaring me. It didn't intend to be seen. It didn't realize at first that I could see it. And because it was there to, and you know, kind of, she's asking the questions, you know, what is it you're doing here? You know, What's your purpose for being in the room? And the purpose was to, you know, I could say it all the time. You know, most of these are just to watch and observe, you know, humans. When people go down the whole, you know, all shadow entities are evil sort of thing. And I'm like, well, most of them are just watching and observing. You know, they're, yeah, it's kind of creepy. They're invading our space, but they're not really doing anything. And that was actually the case with this one, that it was watching and observing, curious about humanity and collecting data, collecting information, did not realize that it could be seen. But when I reacted to it and was trying to scream, it realized that I could see it. So it came up to my bed, the whole crossing of the arms, I got to see from another angle that it crossed the arms and actually patted me on the wrists. Like as they were crossed right there, patted me on, on the wrists as a gesture of, you know, I'm sorry, it's okay, cross my arms, is kind of like, you know, hug myself sort of thing. And then it ran off and got out of there because it didn't want to continue to scare me. So it was actually trying to 
give me some sort of peace and calm me down, which it didn't do at all, of course. Um, a follow-up question to that that Ariana had uh, had asked in that session was, where are you from? And the response to that was, I'm from another space. Follow-up question was, do you mean from another dimension? The response was, you might call it another dimension, but really it's another space, which is really, really cryptic. You know, what does that mean from another space? We might think it's a dimension. We might call it that, but it's really another space base. So that doesn't even necessarily mean that it's from like another planet in our current universe. And we go back to the imagery here of the multiverse. If it's talking about another space and we're looking at like these different bubbles that represent, uh, you know, the different universes, did it mean it was like from one of these, you know, or did it mean that it was from, um, you know, if we look at something like the simulated universe, you know, that idea, you know, if we're running in a simulation, kind of call it the quote unquote game world, and this was from something from beyond that, um, you know, maybe somebody uh, almost kind of like a, a, you know, game master or whatever um, that had entered into our space to observe and watch, you know, was it from that, uh, it's, it's, again, it's kind of almost like from the beyond, um, you know, it's so, it's really, really cryptic as to what this other space means, so that's going to be some continuing research uh, you know, as, as we go down this uh, rabbit hole, pun intended. So, some other different ideas to throw out here about um, interdimensional beings. Um, I kind of already talked about, uh, you know, the hats. So some people think that the hats, by the way, uh, some people think that the hats are some sort of technology to allow, uh, the entities to move back and forth. The question then becomes why the different styles, because you hear about like the fedora or the top hat and the wide brim hat and a lot of different style hats. And sometimes they're also wearing the accompanying clothing. I actually had a conversation here with, uh, with uh, Grant Cameron and Asol Sekash uh, just recently. I guess at some point they're going to be posting that uh, conversation where we were talking about, and Grant has a real funny question. He's like, you know, why is it that uh, ETs don't wear clothes? when some of these other beings like the, you know, the shadows do. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, that was, that was an interesting conversation that we got into with that. Um, all right. So I do want to talk a little bit here about the, the doppelganger phenomenon. And, you know, the reason for that is, and some of you who have been following me for a while will, uh, will remember that, you know, I don't believe doppelgangers are the whole, you know, evil twin sort of thing here. And I know there's a lot of legend and lore behind that. Certainly not talking about celebrity doppelgangers. I'm using the creepy photo here of the of the two little girls with the eyes. But basically, um, here's what I'm talking about. And this situation here uh, is with Johann Wolfgang von Goethe. So, you know, very famous 18th century uh, German poet, and he recounted a tale in his autobiography, Dichtung und Wahrheit, or Poetry and Truth, and what had happened was he was traveling down the road to Drusenheim. Uh, he was basically having an affair, he was going to go see a young woman, uh, and he just, he got kind of, uh, he was daydreaming, really, he said he was lost in his own thoughts, whatever. Uh, but at one point, when he when he glanced up, he saw a strange man dressed in a gold-trimmed gray suit. And just as quickly as he had spotted the man, the man suddenly vanished and disappeared. Several years later, Gotha's traveling down the same road in the opposite direction and looks down and realizes, wait a minute, I'm wearing the gold-trimmed gray suit. I'm that strange man. I witnessed myself. So it's a doppelganger story, but it's really not. 
it's basically some sort of time slip type of story, some sort of interdimensional story where, I mean, it's not, he's not really an interdimensional being, but in a way he is traveling interdimensionally in that moment. There's some sort of, when we were talking about um, resonance and vibration and all those things earlier, this is what's happening in a moment like that when we're looking at, uh, at some of these different moments that are like time slips. And, and for that particular one, a lot of people, you just do a like Google search on uh, doppelganger stories. That's, that's one of the famous ones that pops up. But it's not really a doppelganger story. He's just seen himself at another point in time, crossing paths with himself on the same road. And it could be one of those where, again, it, it's, it's a strange moment for him. You know, he's, as he's traveling down the road, originally, he was kind of lost in his thoughts, and, you know, he said that he was kind of distressed at the time, and then he just quickly noticed this thing and was gone. So, for some reason, he recognized his, it's almost like recognizing his own signature. Um, and I've talked before about how, you know, when some, when some people see more apparitions or some people see more shadows, they start to be kind of, you know, in tune to that. And so... You know, I think that yourself, you can kind of start to recognize your own vibration, your own frequency, and tune into that. And so I think sometimes some of this paranormal activity that we're witnessing at a location that we've frequented many, many times, we may actually be experiencing ourselves. And that plays out in a lot of different ways when we're talking about time travel, interdimensional beings, some of the uh, you know UFOs that we may be witnessing or ETs that we may be witnessing uh ghosts, what have you, they may just actually be ourselves, whether, you know, they're purposely traveling through time or it's some sort of time slip. Um, I was just, <clears throat> I was just on a uh, podcast with Jim Harold. He, he runs a uh, you know, pretty uh, substantial podcast there. And uh, we we're talking about shadow entities and kind of getting into that topic. Uh, and he related a story to me. It, it came out as the idea of a hooded figure story, but it's really not. Um, so the the individual that he had been talking to, I guess he had been interviewing, said that when he was a child, he had witnessed a hooded shadow figure in his kitchen. You know, it scared him to death, you know, because he was just a small child. Years later, he's in the kitchen wearing a hoodie. And he looks over to the doorway and sees the shadow the size of a little boy. And, you know, it startles him. But he remembered back to when he was a child seeing the hooded figure, the hooded shadow figure in the kitchen and realized at that moment, wait a second. What I witnessed when I was a child was actually just myself when I was older. So even though it came off as a shadowy figure, it's just him. It's just his own energy. It's just the way he was able to perceive it at that time. And again, it's just himself. It's some sort of, of time slip phenomenon. We've seen this in some other historical accounts like the Versailles time slip, uh, but this was more apparition in nature than than shadows. So uh, with the Ver with the Versailles time slip, you're talking about uh, there were two middle-aged English women, Eleanor Jourdain and Annie Moberly. Her, her real name was Charlotte. She went by Annie. Walking through the gardens at the Palace of Versailles, and they suddenly noticed that other people around them were dressed very differently, more like 18th century prior to the French Revolution. They saw a strange pockmarked man on the step of the summer house. It was He looked like he had contracted smallpox. Uh, and there was another woman there in an 18th century gown drawing a sketch of Marie Antoinette. Now, anybody could be drawing, drawing a sketch of Marie Antoinette, but it was the clothing that really keyed them in that, okay, this is really, you know, very out of place. They also noticed a plow there in the garden, although there hadn't been a plow there for like 100 years. You know, it just was completely out of place. And they kind of ex they experienced this for several minutes because they were walking through the garden and witnessing this all around them. I almost knocked over my coffee again. I need to move that. <laughs> um, they're witnessing this all around them, and then it kind of morphed back into their their modern day at that time. So 
this happens, I think, more frequently than we really give credit for. Um, I, I think a lot of these shadows and apparitions and strange phenomenon are just really us tuning into another point in time in our history, something that actually is it's still kind of currently happening. Um, you know, we, we talk about um, you know, things like a residual haunt or whatever. You know, it's just a recording. It's just a playback. Yeah, but what if it's something in that location that keeps keying up at the same frequency that same moment in time from way back in the day? Again, we don't know what the catalyst is is um I, I talk all the time about andrea parent's story at the at the farmhouse there in uh, in rhode island the conjuring house where they had witnessed you know their very own time slip there with the uh with the family from the the 1700s that were suddenly there in the dining room you know i believe the you know what's supplying the energy there is that well room you, know, you have an open well, the limestone walls capped with granite, all of that. But again, what is the catalyst to kick that off? And I think when we discover what that is, if we're able to figure that out, that will be a, a tremendous clue into how to traverse interdimensionally. Um, you know, if we're able to control when we kick off, when to kick off a moment that we see in time and be able even able even maybe to dial into a specific year you know let's actually view you know 1827 or something at the, at this location if we're able to harness that i think that's going to open a lot of doors into be able to access all these all these different realms and maybe finally get to some of these other locations if we can figure it out here then we could be able to figure it out elsewhere um, because again, I don't believe time exists. And it's it's funny because as I keep talking more and more about this uh, over the last several years, you see more and more other people talking about this as well. It's kind of, um, it's kind of that the collective consciousness coming together and they're all starting to agree each other. And I'm you know, finding more and more people that are you know really on board with the, you know, the concept that Time doesn't exist. It is a human construct that we've developed to describe our reality. And time is concurrent, past, present, future. We're just kind of stuck in this state where we're not seeing it all concurrently. We're only seeing a specific moment. And it appears to us as it's, you know, a river of time rather than everything happening at once. Again, the question becomes, how do we access those points? So, um, Sarah's saying, it sounds like an imprinting or recording of the event created a frame of reference by the electrical impulses of the brain maintaining the integrity of something. Um, you know, possibly, I mean, there's something there that has recorded it, um, that has left some sort of uh, energetic presence that, how do I want to say this, that uh, gives us a higher probability to be able to access uh, that certain point in time, whatever it is that's getting kicked off. You know, we, we talk about stone tape theory and recording something that we're able to see that play back. So uh, something has uh, made that environment more, uh, I guess, accessible to whatever that that moment is that that is recorded you know we we talk about recording kicking off recording but is it really a recording or is it kicking off a projection like is it able is it really just tuning into that specific frequency of that moment in time and it's a projector that's playing it out like i've dialed into this moment and i'm going to project it out for you and some of these locations are succinctly tuned into that one particular moment and keep kicking it off, kicking it off, kicking it off. Where other ones are more fluid and you're able to see and interact with, with that moment. Instead of just being able to watch it, you're able to interact with it because it's a more fluid connection than, than some of these other ones. 
I'm throwing out some different theories and ideas here. So, you know, it's it's stuff we're still exploring and trying to figure out. So I'll get into a few other different ideas here. Um, so time travel, we've, we were talk, talking tri- time travel there as far as time slips, but actual travel from our uh, our moment to somewhere else where we basically we become enveloped by uh, the entire uh, the entire experience, you know, uh, we could throw out, you know, traveling to, you know, into a, Del- or getting into a DeLorean and traveling to another point in time and living out several days, uh, in another year. You know, this depiction here, of course, is a, uh, basically a portal opening into, uh, some other point in time. And then on the, uh, Alaska Triangle television show, uh, we, we showed the, uh, you know, plane flying into the portal and uh and we don't know where it went <laughs> we're we we're postulating different ideas as to you know what may have happened to it you know one of my ideas is that it ended up in another place in time maybe it went back um i, I like to throw out the example of 500 years maybe it went 500 years into the past and then uh you know maybe some you know, native alaskans saw it and thought it was a thunderbird it's an idea uh not really sure but that's a whole other that's a whole other uh realm you know we were talking earlier about you know wormholes when these tunnels open up like this and and it's just a theory that the that the douglas guy master flew through that bruce gernon down to the bermuda triangle he actually you know says that no it was it was a tunnel all the swirling uh clouds and then he popped out near miami and uh somehow he had traveled 100 miles in just a couple of minutes so that was an even different type of time travel but uh let's talk about just real quick some of these different other um you know, possible interdimensional beings. I wanted to throw a few of these out here because uh, people ask me when we start talking about interdimensional beings. People ask me about these things, like black-eyed children. Um, you know, people will ask me if they are a a type of shadow entity. Which, no, they're not because I mean, just you know, they're very um, they're actually very interactive. You know, you see full features. You know, I mean, they look like kids and they talk to you. They have mouths. And the thing about shadow entities is that they're just they're just a shadow. There's no some have eyes, but generally, generally they don't. Um, you know, but you do hear about the ones with the glowing eyes. But no nose, no mouth, um, no facial features really whatsoever. They don't have a mouth to talk from. Black-eyed children very very much so talk. Very very creepy though. Uh, with the way they talk, very monotone, and just the way that they word things is very off. Um, of course, even though it's drab clothing, they are uh, they are actually wearing clothing. Uh, so they're they're not actually shadow entities, but I believe that in some ways that they are related because I do believe that black-eyed children would be more of you know, some sort of interdimensional being, and we don't know exactly where they come from we know they want to get in your house we don't really know why they want to get in your house we don't necessarily know what happens exactly after they get in except you hear the occasional story like the one where uh the black eyed children the black eyed child was able to get into the car uh with with one of the other uh with the woman's child there she had left the child in the car and then he allowed the black-eyed kid to come in, and then she kicked the black-eyed kid out, and then all of a sudden there was you know all kinds of crazy stuff that happened uh, you know, with the car. There was an accident and, and what have you. <clears throat> Excuse me. So you see some, you hear some of these disconcerting stories. Also, um, anytime that they had showed up when there was a closed caption camera around, uh, there was a uh, you know, there was interference, and they. Uh, you know, they weren't actually captured. It just, everything suddenly went fuzzy. So then there's also, um, I want to talk a little bit about skinwalkers and, and Wendigo for a moment. Uh, Cause these also kind of get thrown into the mix with interdimensional beings, but the, and these are, um, 
you know, ones that are really just kind of pertinent to, you know, uh, Native American lore here on Earth. So these don't necessarily have... I guess when we think about interdimensional beings, we usually think about somebody that's coming from maybe some other planet or some other place in the universe. They could be in our dimension, or I'm sorry, in another dimension just here on Earth that you know all these dimensions could be layered on top of each other that everything's playing out right here i mean yes there are other planets and other parts of the universe and all that but many of these entities could just be living here amongst us well we can't we don't necessarily always see them again you know our senses are very limited um but with uh, something like the skinwalker you know going to the native american legends these are basically a it's a shamanic Native American cult where, um, you know, you sort of, in a way, you get invited into uh, into this cult. And once you, you have to actually, you know, murder somebody that was close to you and just, it's, it's terrible. Um, and once you are a part of this shamanic cult, and this is an old Navajo legend, um, you're able to shift and, sh and change form. So you might change form into a wolf or, you know, some sort of, you see a lot of these depictions of different horned animals, like almost, uh, you know, like an elk or a deer or something like that, but very distorted. It's like some of the different uh, drawings that you see. And you hear stories about that as well. So this is more like, you know, it's a shapeshifter, Okay. Uh, then you have the Wendigo, which, you know, again, some similarities, but different. But to me, these are more like zombies because they're, they're cannibalistic. Um, and if, you know, if a Wendigo bites you, then you become a Wendigo and then you start to bite and eat other humans and, and that sort of thing. And you, uh, you, up, you end up becoming this, this creature like this, um, there were, uh, you know, Native American shamans that would, if somebody had turned Wendigo, then uh, the shaman would come in and perform a ritual to vanquish the Wendigo from you. Unfortunately, you do have these horrific tales. This is Swift Runner. Um, he was a um, he was a man who had turned Wendigo, and you see him in chains here. He was arrested for um, for cannibalizing his family. So this was something that was actually, you know, very horrific uh, within some of the tribes. And this was mostly uh, with with the Wendigo. There are mostly um, you know, Great Lakes area, like Northern Great Lakes, like Wisconsin, Minnesota, and then um, that part of Canada that's right across the, the border from those states. So that area of the country where Skinwalker was uh, more Navajo legends and then you know out in the American Southwest. And of course, everybody knows about Skinwalker Ranch. So kind of two different areas. And so the way I relate these two things, you know, if we're, we're talking, I mean, they're kind of almost like legendary creatures, uh, but one would be a shapeshifter. One would be a zombie, really, for lack of a better term you know, kind of our modern day zombie, uh, you know, flesh eater. And, uh, but, but, you know, I get asked a lot about, you know, are these some sort of, I will get asked if there's some sort of shadow entity, which is why I include them in a walk in the shadows, but they're very different. Um, they could be, we're talking about interdimensional beings. There could be um, some sort of force from another dimension that has, taking them over and I'm not necessarily talking about demonic possession but you know something else that has you know inhabited uh you know the the fleshly body and has you know done something something else uh to them which you know any type of entity like that by definition would really be coming from another dimensional space anyway so let me go through here see if you guys have any uh uh last minute questions here um so sarah suggested there was wendigo activity near helltown you know wendigo it's it's another one that um you know i kind of started off with uh with saying you know are 
you know, it seems like we're hearing more and more about interdimensional beings lately as it's becoming a new fad. A lot of these have been. Wendigo's another one. Um, no, there's not Wendigo activity near Helltown. Uh, most everything you hear about Helltown is just an urban legend. Uh, when they talk about, uh, you know, the, the witches near Helltown or the demonic church and, you know, all of this crazy stuff, underground bases, no, 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 no. Uh, most of that is just urban legend. There's not Wendigo near Helltown. Um the Alaska Triangle show, you know, as much as I, you know, respect, I mean, I was on several episodes of the show. I absolutely respect it. I highly respect um, the uh, uh, the production company. Uh, they did a fantastic job with it. They had a half episode there. Maybe it was like a third of an episode on Windigo in Alaska. It was the first on that show, first I had ever heard about Wendigo in Alaska. I think what happens here is the internet. Um, I don't doubt that somebody saw something up there. Uh, that was some sort of strange creature or whatever. And they did a little prodding around on the internet and came across Wendigo and saw some of the artwork that's out there which if you look at the artwork that's associated with with the Wendigo um, people have gotten really creative with it and if you watch my Wendigo uh, video on the Hunter Road Media YouTube channel you'll see that I incorporated some of that artwork because you're kind of limited I mean I'm you know I don't have time to, to make a bunch of my own drawings so you know I went with what was out there and um, basically what a Wendigo is, is a, uh, is a human that apparently has gotten inhabited by the Wendigo spirit and then they become cannibalistic. And they might look a little bit feral hanging out in the woods and all that, but they're still very human in nature. Um, the, the image that I used here is, is probably, the, you know, even though he doesn't even look human there, <laughs> Um, you know, he still, he still has the hands and the legs and the body. Basically, they kind of distorted the head a little bit or whatever. Um, they made him you know, certainly feel, but that's probably like the most human image I could find. Again, it's a drawing of somebody's interpretation. But, you know, look at Swift Runner. This is a guy that was supposed to have turned Wendigo. You know, he was actually convicted of cannibalizing his family. Guess what? He just looks like a regular human. So when you start hearing some of these just out of place stories i i don't believe what they interacted with up there was a wendigo um it was something and as far as helltown no there's no there's no wendigo in helltown um i just i just think the internet is proliferating a lot of stuff like like puck wedgies you know puck wedgies was supposed to be more of like uh you know east coast type of um you know that gnome type creature you hear like over at um uh, Hinsdale House, you hear about, you know, the, there being Puckawudgies out in the woods, and that is the area that they're supposed to be at, like New York, New Jersey, you know, East Coast type of area. But then all of a sudden you hear these stories of, like, Puckawudgies out in Missouri and places like this, and it's like, you know, I, it's just a proliferation of the stories moving across, and the, and the Internet has been a wonderful mechanism for making that happen. So, all right. So I'm going to go ahead and uh, wrap it up here. We are at our hour mark. So I really do appreciate um, those of you who were able to join us for the uh, Monday night presentation of our Connecting the Universe class. Uh, I know it's a little different than our usual Wednesday, but, you know, had all the uh, HVAC issues on, uh, on last Wednesday. So just let you guys know for uh, this coming I wouldn't say basically this this class here is it takes a place of this week so we will be back for connecting the universe on december 1 will be our next connecting the universe interactive class i do wish all of you a very happy and safe thanksgiving enjoy your holiday and i uh, hope you have a really wonderful holiday season um i i enjoy the holidays nicole enjoys the holidays so um we're gonna have a good time so in any case, you guys have a great night. Till next time.